welcome to the Real Estate Mogul MD Podcast. Thanks for tuning in and taking control of your financial future. This is a show where we not only motivate and inspire, we give you actionable, real-world experience to help you live life by design. You'll hear journeys and stories from other physicians, investors, coaches, consultants, and entrepreneurs. And now, here's your host, Brett Riggins. Hey, everybody. Here we are again. Uh, another episode here on the Real Estate Mogul MD. Um, and today, we are back in the commercial world doing some uh, investing and, and going to talk about the market. And we've got a special guest on today. He's been investing himself in real estate for over five years now. He lives and invests in Milwaukee, Wisconsin market. And I was just talking with him beforehand that I did a little time there in Milwaukee, up in the freezing, step outside and take a deep breath and the nose just hairs frozen, just like that. Oh, God, I love the winter in Milwaukee. So as a principal of Smart Asset Capital, uh, the firm currently has over $20 million in assets under management. The portfolio is comprised mainly of multifamily, retail, industrial, and self-storage. And we're going to talk about this industrial piece a little bit when we talk about the market um, currently right now. So not only that, but he's also the founder and creator of CREsyndicator.io. I think that's a really cool plug in there. Maybe that's a different um, time we can talk about what that means to kind of create these syndication deals yourself. But hey, Brock Morganson, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me on, Brett. Excited. And how did how did I do that, Morganson? I, I was telling you my name. I like I want to have there an R in there, but there's no R in there. It's M O G E N S E N, huh? That's right. you got to write that down. Everyone puts an R in there, so you got to write. Man, it's Mogensen. That's beautiful. And that's also your Instagram handle too, Brock Mogensen, B-R-O-C-K-M-O-G-E-N-S-E-N. Boom, if you want to find him on Instagram. So I'm interested to talk about this and really get started in, and just so the listeners have a a little bit of background on you, um, how do you do do this? So you, your first um, property, I think was a duplex, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Duplex. And then your second one was an 89 unit apartment building. Now, I always tell everybody like that jump is just not likely. But here now, the listeners have in front of them somebody to prove that wrong. That's right. I think, you know, and really how how that happened, right, was I bought that duplex. I did did the house hack model, living on one side, renting out the other, got into that deal and just fell in love with real estate right away, right? It all clicked. At the time, I I was working a corporate job and always had that entrepreneurship mindset and wanted to figure out what was it going to be. I wasn't creative enough to come up with some crazy product. So, you know, boring real estate, right? Like tried and true, create as created wealth for people for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Why not go in and do something that's proven? So tried to figure out ways, how can I scale quicker, right? Like the conventional method for me uh, didn't have a super high income, right? Like I wasn't making a lot of money at the job I was working in. I was working in a call center, making 50 grand a year. Like, okay, I can maybe buy one duplex a year if I save every penny I make. Um, how can I do that quicker? The syndication space caught my attention because I could go out, learn the real estate investing game and partner with other investors to scale quicker. So that's the that's the method I went all in on, learned that, found the right partners. One year after that duplex, we syndicated our first deal, which which was that 89 unit. And that kind of kickstarted everything from there. Very cool. And you say finding the right partners, that's something we talk a lot about here, even in single family, multifamily, um, any type of arrangement, leveraging other people's time in a relationship platform is huge. So I'm looking at the website right now, smartassetcapital.com, and I see three fellas on there. I see the the handsome Brock standing right in the middle, and then I see uh, two other gentlemen. And the gentleman on the left, Adam McCarthy, 
I noticed on on the bio there that he owns 400 plus apartment units. Correct. So that was, you know, that was what really kickstarted, right? Without him, wouldn't have been able to do it. He, how that partnership really came to be is he had, he owned a brokerage, a property management company, and he had, you know, a couple hundred units at the time already in his portfolio, but didn't necessarily understand the syndication method and how that works, how you can bring in other partners to go after bigger deals. And so I kind of brought that piece in, right? And said, Hey, I understand. I've been studying this for a while. I know how to underwrite these deals. I know how the process works. Let me bring that expertise and we'll use your real estate expertise you have, right? The, the, all the experience you've had for managing these properties and partner up together. And, we, and our third partner, Jeff, was was kind of the connection between all of us. And that's uh, that's really how it came to be, right? Without without that strategic partnership, I wasn't going to be able to go out and, and buy that property, right? The, the bank's not going to give me the money. Why would an investor invest with someone that doesn't have the experience? So that was really the the start to what it is now. You're interesting. And also... Um... The property management company there with Adam, uh, with 4,000 plus units Mm -hmm. uh, being managed, that's a whole nother piece of it, using that experience, leverage that experience as well. So that leveraging those relationships allowed you to go from zero to 100 miles an hour like that. Absolutely. Yeah, without that, I mean, and I think in real estate generally too, right, from a high level view, it's, it's very much a partnership game. There is, there is certainly investors out there that do it on their own, they build big portfolios doing it all on their own. Um, but to me, like I see it more of a partnership model. Like I'd rather be able to go after a bigger property and partner with other investors and own a smaller piece of the deal um, to be able to go after those properties. So for me, I, I look at real estate as more of a partnership model. I think sometimes it does make sense just to buy properties on your own. But if you're really scaling into some of these larger properties, I look at it more from a partnership model. Oh, that's awesome. And just kind of in the last... Um, shows or episodes we've talked with some um apartment building investors and learning this this kind of like setup of general partner uh key principles limited partners and how all this works is very interesting and the way that you've leveraged this relationship to kind of create that general partnership team correct mm-hmm. yep for for sure yeah absolutely very cool. Very cool. And uh being in the Milwaukee area you say south uh, southeast Wisconsin, right? So the greater w- Milwaukee area is that correct? Yeah, we're, we're we're so our property management company is based out of Waukesha, which is like thirty minutes outside Milwaukee, and we're vertically integrated with that. So our buy box is is an hour radius of Milwaukee for now, right? So that's that's where we look at deals. We've built you know with our property management company, our broker connections here. We've built a good network of people here that allows us to see a lot of good properties and be able to strategically manage those properties and provide good returns. So for us, like maybe it makes sense for us to expand to other markets in the future. But for now, like we're doing good in this market. We want to grow here, build a big portfolio here before we take that model and then go to other markets. Interesting. So you say vertically integrated. I like that, those words and how that's partnered with the, the property management company with your partner, Adam, correct? Mm-hmm. That correct. was the yep. connection there. And now that's, that's really driving your buy box. And that idea of staying in your lane is is really important when it comes to managing these properties. Um, so I guess with that in mind, as a limited partner looking into you know your deal or you your team, what are some things that that you suggest to new relationships when you're working um, with uh, you know potentially building that relationship with a limited partner? What's some things that you would suggest for them to look at? when they're looking at general partners? I would say 
talk to several people, right? I think it makes sense if you're a limited partner that's trying to go out and figure out who should I invest with. There's tons of syndicators, tons of great syndicators around the country, around the world, right? That are doing doing similar things. So I think it makes sense to first really define like what what's your what sort of deal do you want to invest in, right? Like, is there like a specific market you really feel bullish on, or maybe you want to invest locally where you live just because you like the idea of being able to drive by the property. So if you're living in Texas, right, you might research syndicators in Texas because I want to invest here locally. Um, if you don't care about that, you're like, I just want to invest where I can make money. You, you can kind of look more at a national perspective, but I think you get, you know, you go on, you book calls with, with these, with these syndicators. Uh, you learn more about how their business is operating. You look at their track record. Have they delivered returns? Have they exited deals already? And you get on some of those calls and you get on their email list. You start looking at their deals and you invest with the person that you, you liked the best and you, you thought you felt the most confident on and whoever has the best deal, right? So I think it certainly makes sense to not just go to one syndicator and say, I'm just going to invest with you. I think it makes sense to talk to several people and figure out who you like the best. Very interesting. So interview kind of like that first step. And it's in what I've been saying lately, um, it's the jockey, not the horse. You're learning who's controlling that uh that deal basically so it's not the deal itself it's it's the person controlling that deal what do you I, what do you make of that saying brock bet on the jockey not the horse i agree because at the end of the day like of course you got to buy that you got to pay the right price for the property you have to you have to do all those things get the right debt on that that's certainly a key component of it but at the end of the day asset management is where money is made in real estate strategically managing that property implementing your value add strategy and really going through that whole process is how you make money in real estate. So if you have an operator or if you're just investing on your own and you think I can just buy this property, use a property management company and sit back and just wait, wait five years and, and sell it and make money, you know, that could work over the past 10 years in a lot of markets that that's been a great strategy. But I think as we're heading into crazier times in the economy, you really need to be dialed in on like strong asset management, overseeing that property, tracking everything, and adding value and hitting your goals of what you projected in your performa. So I totally agree. I think that's, if I had to correlate that, you know, the jockey and the horse with real estate, it's having a hands-on asset management team. And when you say crazier times, uh, talk about that a little bit more, crazier times in the market coming up. And I think that this should be uh, like asset uh, type based, right? So what class are we talking about and how is this, uh, how do you see the, that upcoming market affecting each class. Yeah. I mean, I think certain asset classes for sure. Um, we'll get obviously office has been at the forefront for a while. And I think you're, you're, you're already seeing the headlines of these big office buildings and, and San Francisco and, and these bigger cities that are getting hammered. Right. And uh, a lot of people are defaulting on debt. So I think that's kind of the first domino of commercial real estate. But that being said, I mean, it, it, it comes down to interest rates, right? There was a lot of people, syndicators, individual buyers over the past five years that even even more specifically over the past couple of years that went out, bought properties on the assumption of a 3% interest rate. And a lot of these people got floating rate debt and their 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 mortgage payment has doubled, right? We're at 6% today, 6.5%. And they were banking on a 3 4% interest rate. And when that goes up that much, and now and the deal was, deals were already pretty tight in a lot of these markets. People are paying four caps for deals. So when you start getting that dynamic going in there and you're not covering, you're not even covering your debt, you've already, they already started to hold back distributions to investors. Now they can't cover their debt and refinance time comes and they don't have the money to do it. 
that's where a lot of the the pain is coming, right? And I think you're starting to see, especially the people that are on floating rate debt, that's kind of another domino that that's coming. But I think is over the next one to two years and these loans start amortizing and people have to come to the table with the capital and they don't have it, they're going to be writing checks to get out of these deals or even selling at a loss. So that's uh, that's kind of where I see the opportunity, right? You And by, you know, you hope you're not on, on the wrong end of that, of course, right? And I think that that's where having the right debt structure makes a lot of sense and not overpaying for these properties and, and paying very low cap rates. But, uh, you know, on the other side of it, it prevents, presents opportunity, right? And I think that's for us, we're looking at over the next one to two years, really setting up the systems now to be able to go out and capitalize when these opportunities come, come about. Interesting. Now, these floating rate debt, um, packages, is that something like a bridge, like a bridge loan? So they were, uh, acquiring this debt to make the repairs and then refinance or how, how does, where does, why would somebody take this floating loan debt? It, it could be, um, it, it could be a bridge sort of situation or it could be a lot of times they take floating rate debt because the bank, that's the only way the bank's going to approve the deal. So the bank could be looking at it and saying, we don't want to take the risk of locking you in at, at a 3% rate for five years. We'll give you a floating rate debt because that, that safeguards the bank, right? They, so if interest rates go up, they don't get hurt. So it, it makes the bank easier to approve. It's, it's an easier loan to get for the, for the buyer, right? Floating rate is less risk for the bank, more risk for the buyer. So a lot of people that couldn't get fixed rate financing and they still wanted to get this deal done said, screw it. Yeah, we'll do floating rate debt because we like this deal and we want to get it done. And they were just assuming rates were going to stay at 4% forever. And now uh, that's not obviously not the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I misspoke. Floating rate debt, not floating loan debt, but floating rate debt. What what in your mind, if we're talking about multifamily, it probably uh, varies based on the asset itself. But if we're looking like maybe on a 50 plus unit building, where are we anticipating or what are our options for uh, fixed rate? Like what are the terms? What's the amortization length? Yeah, right now I would say usually it depends. Um, local bank financing, usually you can get a, you know, a 25 year amortization, a five year term. That's, that's the common you're going to see with a local bank. If you go out and get agency debt financing, right? Fannie and Freddie Mac debt, they'll usually do a 30 year amortization. Um, you can get all the way up to a 10 year term, sometimes even longer. Um, at, at generally a little bit better of an interest rate. But the biggest downside to that financing, and we've done that financing and it's not our preferred choice anymore, is their prepayment penalty structure. Ooh. Is they usually have a prepayment penalty, a pretty hefty one, where if you want to sell the property in year two, you're looking at a big prepayment penalty that makes it hard to do. So you have less flexibility to exit a property. Uh, so we literally just went through that. Our, the only Fannie Mae debt loan we've done, uh, we had to pay a prepayment penalty on, the, on it to get out of it. And it still made sense to do it, but there's less, less flexibility too. And I would say if we're talking pros and cons versus the two and why we prefer to use local bank financing at this current stage is just overall flexibility, right? When COVID hit, we had this property and this is what the Fannie Mae loan. Uh, we had about 15% of our tenants walk in and say, I'm not going to pay rent. You can't do anything about it. You can't evict me. Uh, so they didn't pay rent for over a year, right? Mm-hmm. So we call, we call Fannie Mae and say, Hey, this is the situation. They pretty much said, well, sorry, figure it out. We're not going to help you. Um, whereas on the flip side, if like we call our local bank and say, hey, this is what we're going through, they're going to work with us. They're going to figure out a way to potentially restructure the loan, maybe give us interest only. They're going to be, it's more of a direct relationship instead of dealing with this mass organization. Mm-hmm. So I think it does make sense. There's pros and cons to each of them. But for us in our business, where we're at today, 
local bank financing is our preferred method. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So five year, 10 years. So these things are nowhere near what we see in the single family world of 15 and 30. No, no. I mean, there is there. Sometimes you could figure out a way to do that with agency debt, but it's it's very rare. Interesting. And for the listeners out there, when we're talking about a 25-year AM, five-year term, it's saying 25-year amortization. So that payback uh, payment is stretched out as if we were going to pay it back in 25 years, but right. literally it balloons at five years or it balloons at that term. And the Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, that's backed by the government. So it's kind of like a quasi-governmental conglomerate thing uh, where you got to fit inside this box and you get the pre-penalty, prepayment penalty on those. But that's that 30-year AM, 10-year term that you were looking at. Correct. Yep, exactly. Interesting. Very interesting. Now, with this market kind of shifting with challenges, there's opportunities. And, you know, we've seen a, a death in um, uh, brick and mortar shopping malls through the years. Mm-hmm. And when I grew up in Southwest Michigan, I mean, it's just like, it's, it's bad in, in this one section, you know, but there's opportunity. So as we trend more towards, uh, say, assisted living, maybe you can take that downfall of, of one asset class and redevelop it for another asset class. And I'm just thinking the same thing, Brock, in the office space. I mean, who's going to have this solution for the office space where we then create housing or something. I can only imagine a nightmare in the construction process to take, you know, a floor with two bathrooms and now I have to put, you know, 20 bathrooms on it. I can't imagine the challenge on that. But uh, but the, what I'm saying is that with the challenge, there's opportunity. So I want the listeners and you as an investor, obviously you guys are keeping tuned in on where where these problems are created. They're also in turn, it creates an opportunity for something, right? Absolutely. And so I'll, I'll tell a, a quick story of a deal we're working on that is this exact situation. So we bought an office building uh, three months before COVID hit, um, kind of an uglier B-class office building, but the numbers were great. And COVID hits, you know, tenants start moving out, tenants stop paying rents, we're getting hit, still cash flowing, like not the end of the world. And then stack that with a, we had a parking garage issue. The structure of the parking garage was not great. And ultimately the parking garage needed to be replaced, which wasn't really a feasible project considering what the cost would have been versus what the property's worth. So we're in a tough spot, right? So we, we come into that. So we had to look at it from a creative lens. What could we do to get out of the situation and ultimately make money on the situation? And it was, let's knock down this whole block of office buildings and build class A apartments. So we came up with that idea about a year ago, have gone through all the processes of approvals with the city. This month, we're supposed to get our final approvals. And next month, we're knocking down the office buildings and building oh, wow. 42 Class A apartments. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's certainly a thing I think we're going to see more of is either whether it's redevelopment, right? You're starting to see a lot of that. These, these office buildings that are in locations that are good locations, but just there's not a demand for office. People are going in, converting them to apartments or because their apartment is now their office. Exactly. Like yeah. I'm, I'm working, I'm in my apartment right now, right? I'm working from home. Yeah. You see and, my uh, spot too. Yeah. yeah. For so the I listeners, think, we're both in our, in our houses, literally. Yeah. That's where we work out of. Yep. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm still, I don't think office is completely dead, right? I think there's still a benefit to being in the office. Um, if, but I think it's the office buildings that are newer, great locations, have amenities, an experience where someone like actually enjoys going into the office. Whereas these older office buildings that are just not 
They're not good looking, right? There's not amenities. It's not a fun experience to go into this office because it's just dark and gloomy. Mm-hmm. Those sort of office buildings, I think, are the ones that are, are, are going to run into a lot of troubles. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, okay, so this market thing, the asset class piece we're talking about, we talked about office. I uh, made that weird mention about the brick and mortar shopping malls and um, kind of changing these into the the multifamily, ultimately the the residential side, like living in these units. Tell me a little bit more about how you're seeing uh, the direction of the market with uh, with industrial. And that's something you guys are focusing on right now. Why? Is it based on the market? Is it based on the opportunities? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So industrial has been our main focus over this past six months. Uh, I think our past three acquisitions have been industrial. And I would say a few parts. First off, our market here in Southeastern Wisconsin, we just are seeing the most opportunity in the industrial space. You know, the Rust Belt, right? I think there is a lot of manufacturing, warehousing sort of businesses here in the Wisconsin area. So we have that momentum working with us. Whereas multifamily, and again, we own multifamily. I like multifamily, but Wisconsin as a market is not, it's not a booming market, right? It's, it's not, it's not the Carolinas. It's not Texas. It's not Florida that's Mm. seeing all this population growth, all this job growth where you get that appreciation effect. Wisconsin's pretty stagnant, right? Like we, we're not negative population, but we're not booming as far as that aspect. So for me, like industrial makes more sense from that dynamic here in our local market. And then additionally, I would say when I look at the business model, and again, we've, we've done both of these models, but when I look at the business model of multifamily value add versus industrial value add with multifamily, we got to go in, we got to increase rents, we got to rehab units, we got to convert you know, add parking income. We got to do 50 different things and you got to do those 50 different things to hit your business plan, hit the numbers you're projecting. Whereas with industrial, it's really one lever genuinely. And that's the lease. You got to get that tenant to sign a longer term lease. You got to bring in a new tenant on a longer term lease. And that's how the value is created. So it's a more of a direct approach for us where we can minimize our risk generally by, by doing, re, you know, by doing a lot of these lease negotiations ahead of time. And really protects protects our downside more and makes our value add plan just easier and more clear to get to our financial projections. Very interesting. So the lease negotiation is the value add mechanism instead of the uh, priming the pump the other way with putting in quarter washing machines and you know doing unit renovations and you know fixing the parking structure that's failing. Interesting. For um, sure. Yep. So when you say industrial asset class, this asset class called industrial, tell us a little bit about what that means to you. Yeah. So warehouses, right? So I think there's obviously different sorts of warehouses. You got, you know, manufacturing, you got distribution, general warehousing, storage. So there's different sectors within the industrial asset class. Um, And I think so far we haven't done any, like you, you can even get into like crane use manufacturing, right? Where there's you know, high, high powered cranes throughout the facility. So there's different sort of niches within industrial and our, our niche so far has been, you know, light manufacturing, general warehousing, um, just because it's a little bit more straightforward and there's a bigger tenant demand for those sort of properties. But, uh, yeah, there's certainly like any other asset class, right? Like even with multifamily there, there's different sorts of apartments, right? Like location, garden style, whatever your niche might be within multifamily. But, uh, that's, that's been our approach so far is, is and really, you know, specifically our value add play within the industrial space has been sale leaseback deals, shorter term lease deals, because industrial 
the the property value is calculated generally based off of how much lease term is left in the lease. So there's a 10-year lease in play in this building. That property is going to be worth more than a two-year lease on the building. So on a 10-year lease deal, it's going to be a pretty you know lower cap rate. Returns might be decent. Whereas if we can come in on a two-year lease deal, pick it up at a better price and add value by either putting that tenant on a new lease or bringing a new tenant in on a long-term lease, then in year three with that longer-term lease in play, we have options, right? We can we can exit, we can refinance, we can hold it for cash flow. It provides us more flexibility to strategically educate that property. Very interesting. Very interesting stuff. So you said a light manufacturer and small warehouse, or what was the warehouse thing? That you... General warehouse. General warehouse. Another class. Yeah. General warehouse. Very cool. Well, that is a lot of going on, and that's in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where the team at Smart Asset Capital. And we had joked about this at first, just like I, I want to see the R in your last name uh, of Mogensen, or I want to say Morganson. Yeah. Like when I say Smart Asset Capital, I, there's there's a spot that my my mind stops at in that. Uh, in <laughs> that, that was the name. idea. That was the idea. Yeah. Catch people's attention. It does too. Smart Asset Capital. And I don't see it when I read it, but as soon as I say it, I feel it. And yeah. uh, that was interesting. So it broke that out. But that's what's brought the 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 team together, that, that GP team that you guys have built and have done an astonishing job with over 25 million in assets under management. Uh, the team itself looks remarkable. How can the listeners get a hold of you if they're interested in, in one, learning more about Smart Asset Capital and, you know, kind of this industrial uh, swing that you guys are on right now? Or two, if somebody is out there, I know I want to mention it just a little bit. If somebody is out there that wants to uh, look at the uh, building syndications for themselves, there's there's a way they can connect with you on that too. So what's the best way to reach Brock Mogensen? For sure. Yeah. So a few different ways uh, through our website, www.smartassetcapital.com. You can can fill out that contact form there and that'll get shot over to me. My email is on there as well, which is brock at smartassetcapital. Uh, my Instagram, I, I've been putting out a lot of content there. So I'm active on responding to IG DMs there. That's just my first name, Brock Mogensen or Brock Mogensen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, regarding the, the, the coaching program stuff, I have been helping people that want to get into syndication themselves and be a general partner. And that's at CRE syndicator.io. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I want to thank you for your time today. I've made a ton of notes. I'm sure the listeners have got a lot of value out of this, uh, today. So, Thanks again for that, Brock. I really appreciate it. Uh, We'll definitely be in touch. Thank you for your time, man. Sounds good. Appreciate it, Brett. Yeah, man. And thank you to the listeners out there listening today as we talk about some some of the bigger commercial type investment. And I always love chatting about the market. If you guys have any questions on not only this topic, anything for Brock, feel free to reach out to us. If you have any ideas for the show, questions about the show, shoot us an email, info at physicianwealthsystems.com. Uh, stay tuned on this stuff. And uh, if you get the chance, like I always been suggesting this a lot lately, go ahead and uh, rate us on the platform that you're listening to, whether it's Audible, uh, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a five-star rating. We really appreciate it. Helps us share the information. Getting more opportunities out like the Smart Asset Capital and uh, everything that Brock's got going on here. Thank everybody for listening and we'll catch you the next time.